2: live from Studio 6B on a Monday, August 9th, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Glad you're in. Starting a brand new week. It's going to be mostly me and Rick this week. Rick Amorati's here tonight with sports, but tonight's his last night. Rick taking a little time off. Yep. What yeah. are you doing this week there, uh, Rick? Minneapolis,
3: the land of Prince. I have a show to go to for the birds, and uh, we'll bring one of the birds with us. But We're driving there. 19 hours. Oof.
2: Okay, okay, very good. Wow, you, that's dedication. Are you going to stop and see the... My things look all screwed up here. Are you going to go see the uh, Minnesota City Council that uh, has voted to defund the police <laughs> out clear. there?
4: I'm not even going into the downtown. I'm staying out I was going to say, them. you
2: might want to bring a, a flap jacket with you when you go to these uh, places out there.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, and a little uh, advice, don't stop at the red lights or stop signs. Just keep going right <laughs> Yeah, <it. laughs>
2: yeah. Well, Thank I mean, you. that just shows how much you like Prince because uh, the last place on earth I'd want to be is... Well, maybe in Chicago or or in Minneapolis, where yeah. it's just a yeah. full fledged. Uh, well, there was. I mean, Chicago was a disaster again this weekend. I've got an article about it coming up, but we'll get to a lot lots to get to. Uh, Rick Delgado's here doing the news. How are you?
4: I am good. Had a good weekend at uh, Martha's Vineyard. Oh, that was a fun party, and then I'm going to be meeting with the state attorney general later to talk about how Cuomo touched me. You know, um,
2: I was thinking about. Watching people comment on and thinking about this Obama party. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, have you figured out yet, people, that uh, these people have no <laughs> intention, zero intention of trying to live the way that they want to demand you live? They have no intention of doing it, zero. Here's Obama uh, at his $12 million mansion on Martha's Vineyard, one of, I don't know, three or four multi-million dollar houses that the guy has at this point, him and his wife, hundreds of millions of dollars off the country from capitalism, from his presidency, which really was, for the most part, a disaster even on the things that he could have had a big impact on, on race, things like that, disaster, more divided when he left than when he came in. I think most could argue and probably argue successfully. Um, and here they are. They trashed the country at, at every turn. We saw that with Michelle and during the election. Oh, another things, they trashed. he trashed it for eight years running around the world. They trashed it in their books. Here's his three-day celebration of his 60th birthday party. No masks, no um, no consideration. No vaccines were necessary to get in. I didn't see anything about mandates to get into the party. Twelve million dollar house on Martha's Vineyard. Yet he'll tell us about, you know, the seas are rising and all. It's just they just, it's just pure arrogance in, in your face. And they just don't care. They have no intention of living the way they want you to live. And will demand or try to mandate the way you live. He doesn't have a mansion in Chicago. By the way, speaking of the violence <laughs> in Chicago, he doesn't, he doesn't have any mansions in Chicago. No. You notice that? He doesn't have any mansions in Chicago. He doesn't wow. have any mansions in um, Minneapolis. <laughs> oh, the whole crowd that he supposedly, him and his wife, are, speak for and speak out against this when they tell us how systematically this and systematically that the country is. He has no mansions in any of these places. He's got a $12 million mansion in Martha's Vineyard. He has, I believe, an $8.1 or $2 million mansion in D.C. And the word is he's got a big, huge $10 million or more mansion in Hawaii.
5: So Barack Obama and Michelle Obama and his family
2: have... um, Enjoyed the fruits of the United States of America more than most people could ever dream of 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 reaping. And they trash you and it at every corner.
4: Yeah. A- and, you know, you said, you know, the capitalistic system, he enjoys it. Ah, let's be... Feel- let, let, let's call it what it is. He's not really—he's not really responsible for doing much in terms of earning that money. He's made some deals. No, he's never created anything. No, he's never created anything. Um, nope. So you know the capitalist. But uh, yeah, in terms of. Him being, uh, you know, looking down his no- nose at everybody else as a serf. Yeah, you're you're totally you're totally correct well, because...
2: he's, ca- he's cashed in on his image, his right. brand, which is his presidency, which is the first black Ameri- you know, first African American president, and um, you know he's got everybody fooled on this, um, you know, the Obama, you know, Bow at Obama. He's the right. greatest things since sliced bread deal and the book deals and the. But like yeah, he has He's never created anything. He's ne- he ran around for eight years trashing the country. They still trash the country, even even not being in there. They live. They live like absolute
4: kings. This well, family. That's what they want to be. Let's not let's not get it twisted here. These are communists. That they're communists. And you know what, you know what I say to that. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Come on, man. Exactly. And, and and this is what they do. You're you're terrible for what you do. We're going to tell you how to live. Don't look at us because of course we're better than you. As, as I don't know if you heard that clip from I think it was CNN or MSNBC where the person talking about the people at the Obama party were, you know, highly sophisticated and vaccinated. Yeah, so that's th- the way they look at themselves. We, you know?
2: I think we have that clip here. <laughs> Um, do we have that clip, G? I think we have that clip. Somebody from CNN? No, it was from C. It was somebody from, okay, we don't have it. Someone All from right. CNN. But again, I, I, I think I did. Th- come on, man. Yeah, come on. I mean, that's, that's what Joe says. Got my little new toy over here. You, can you <laughs> tell I'm going to like it already? I, I can tell. Let's see what else Joe has to say here.
5: I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental, fi- my physical oh. as well as my mental fi- fitness.
2: <laughs> okay, Whoa. very good Joe
4: But yeah, getting back to Obama and the party uh, uh, On Martha's Vineyard You know what, if anything uh, I, uh, Hey That's great So we should take his lead, right? Get back to normal Go back to enjoying parties well, that's, Go yeah. back to living without a mask That's not, that's not a bad point
2: That's what you should take from it
4: We should all try to be like him Yeah.
2: I got this Rand Paul video today That's as good as anything I've seen And the timing of it couldn't be any better I'll play for you that. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. It's been all over social media. But I just don't know how you're more tone deaf. If you, if you don't take that route, which I agree with, we should look at it and go, you know what? We sh- this is the example of how we should, right. what we should be doing. But, it is, but see, his own party, of course, now since the party's over, we come back to the White House and it's you see what's going on with the military now. All 2 million service members have to be vaccinated now or you can't serve, I guess, or... So his party is not taking his lead in his former um, his former vice president come on man who's now the president doesn't is not taking his lead either. I don't see any of them stepping out and go you know uh, what Michelle and Barack did this weekend really we're, we're we're thinking no no you're not you're not seeing that.
4: Right You're not seeing that at all. And they're trying to say, well, you know, it was a smaller gathering than, say, a baseball stadium or whatever. And it was outdoors. Meanwhile, you got tents covering everything. So it's not really outdoors. Stop, you know, stop telling us not to believe our eyes.
2: And you know what's amazing is you never, you know who you never see on TV like today over that party or over the weekend while the party. It's a three-day bash. You know who you never see on TV? Yeah, you never see (laughs) on TV. He's never interviewed for these things when this happens. What's his feel? Where, where's, where's the good doc?
3: He ducked out early. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. That's a good point. I wonder if he was there. I wonder if he was there. If, he, if the cameras were there, he would have faked a heart attack, of course. <laughs> but if the cameras weren't there, he was probably down doing the uh, down the two-step there, down with uh, Michelle and Barack, probably, on the dance floor.
4: Yeah, he was doing the funky chicken.
2: Yeah. You see the DJ and the, that video we have is from um Erica Badu singer who was there. All these people were forced to take these things down as they <laughs> well, it's too late. <laughs> you know, it's too late. We all have it we now. We all see it now. Yeah, look, look, it's look too it late. For, I mean, come on. I mean, I don't know what Dancy's doing there, but I mean, come on. Come on, Prez come on barack what is that he's he's not he's not as
4: he's not as cool as he likes to think he is yeah you know it's the people that he talks to like his celebrity friends that make him cooler than he is but he's really just a freaking nerd yeah. and he probably can't dance. We've seen him ride his, his, uh, his grandma's bicycle with his mom jeans on. Well, Not can, a cool dude. I'll tell you, he can sing a little bit. I, I, when he sang
2: that uh, song there, that uh, he's, he, he could sing a little bit. Uh, you know, a couple things I didn't get to last week that I want to get to, and specifically the, um, the CDC director. Cut 11 from last week, G. Do we still have that? CDC director went on with Wolf Blitzer, and this is what she said. Roll that.
0: There are some things uh, I'd like to clear up while I have you, Dr. Walensky, in terms of communication, you clearly have data that's informing your decisions or you wouldn't be making these decisions. (laughs) Uh, But a, a lot of experts are asking, why aren't you sharing that data right away or at least releasing it more quickly?
6: last tuesday we made the decision to um, uh, advise masking uh, america among those who are fully vaccinated and that was decisions based on data that we had seen just as several days before and corroborated even within hours or a couple of days before um, we made those recommendations based on data we had the data were released on friday just three days later and um, if we had waited to release the data we would have um, had uh, you know people who would unknowingly potentially bring uh, a virus to their loved ones, to what? their immunosuppressed loved ones. We felt it a moral imperative to inform the American public as soon as we knew and publish the data as soon as we could within three days of our guidance.
0: Yeah, so that's really important to get that information out there. Do you think the CDC and others, for example, got the messaging wrong when it comes to breakthrough cases, people who are fully vaccinated but get COVID. Experts have repeatedly insisted that breakthrough cases are rare, almost dismissing fears. But would it have been better to give a more nuanced explanation about what to expect?
6: I think we all have to recognize that um, with 164 million people who are vaccinated, um, we should expect tens of thousands, perhaps, of uh, breakthrough infections. But the most important thing is not the number of the breakthrough infections, but what happens here. Those breakthrough infections have mild illness. They are staying out of the hospital. They are not dying. And I think that that's the most important thing to understand. We have a massive number of people who are vaccinated, and and, um, those breakthrough infections tend to be mild and
0: not severe. But what about uh, all the fully vaccinated people who get the breakthrough infection? Can they pass it on? Could they pass it on to their children? Could they pass the virus on to older people, especially more vulnerable people with the underlying health conditions?
6: And that's exactly the point that we made in our guidance. So yes, they can with the Delta variant. And that was the reason that we changed our guidance last Tuesday. Um, Our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So if you're going home to somebody who has not been vaccinated, to somebody who can't get vaccinated, somebody who
2: So what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So Joe Biden on this stage with Don Lemon at the town hall just a month or so ago, who said if you get these vaccines, you won't get COVID. That's medical misinformation, according to his own CDC director. Medical misinformation, that is absolutely not true. These are not gonna prevent you from getting it. That's what the CDC director just told us. Not gonna prevent you from getting it. It's basically a prophylactic. I live from Studio 6 Beach just getting started 13 past the hour We're back right after this
7: Making fall for those green eyes but every time it's a let down But somehow you still my time
2: Studio 6B on a Monday night, just getting the week started. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado going to do the news. Rick Amaranti's got sports coming up, lots to get to. Got some good video today. Try to get to Corey Bush from last week, too, that I didn't get to. We've got some Joe Rogan, and I've got this great Rand Paul from today that I'm sure a lot of you have seen, but it's worth seeing again. And I also went back because there's a lot in this infrastructure, whatever this you want to call this bill. It's just a disaster. The
4: infra disaster bill?
2: Yeah. About, uh, of course, the Green New Deal and climate change and all this other nonsense, degrowth nonsense that they're pushing. And of course, there's too many Republicans just happy to jump on board. Which is just, I don't know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, as voters, we got to start taking names and and, and we got to bring the receipts to the to the to the you know next time you vote. It just it's just, it's gone on too long. The Senate's just a joke. Supposed to be the most deliberative body in them. I mean, it just. This is a joke, what went on today. Richard Shelby, 87 years old, single-handedly holds up these amendments. Cryptocurrency um, gets basically kicked in the you know what's today from this guy, 87. He can't even spell crypto. Never mind understand anything about it, but he single-handedly, because he can't get $50 billion of pork for whatever nonsense he wants to push through, he... um, The whole thing goes down in flames because of this guy, who should be out at the dog track drooling on himself with a little sticker that says, I used to be Richard Selby. 87 years old. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. All right, so we'll get to all that. Uh, So my point was, I went back and got the old George, my my position on climate change, of course, which is the George Carlin position. So if I have time, I'm going to play that again. Because it's just great to watch every once in a while. So right now, let's do some news, though. And here with the news is Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? All
4: right. Well, as the Olympics wrapped up, controversy does not, especially when you're talking about uh, America's most hated soccer player from the female team, Megan Rapino. That was kicked up, uh, again, because of the Tokyo Olympics. And now a group of Subway franchisees are pressuring the fast food giant to give her the boot. The 36-year-old purple-haired soccer player who kneeled during the national anthem to kick off the Olympics before leading to the United States down the bronze medal road began a stint as a pitch woman for the fast food giant this spring. But in one spot, Rapino, who has been a vocal proponent of equal rights and equal pay, knocks a burrito off a guy's hand kicking a soccer ball. The response was mixed. And according to franchisees, uh, late last month, a discussion uh, between the North American Association of Sam. Subway franchise owners um, decided that, you know what, they'd had enough, and one person scrawled a picture with a hand-scrawled note uh, from an IRA customer taped to the front door of a shop. Boycott Subway until Subway fires the anti-American Megan Rapino, the creep who kneels at our beloved national anthem, the note wrote. Uh, the ad should be pulled and done with, the franchisee wrote of the Rapino spot, and it's getting, tiring, apologizing. Subway doesn't own any of its locations, but it charges franchisees 4.5% of revenue for the advertising. Now, many store operators, particularly those in red states, saying they're facing a harsh backlash because of the parent company's decisions.
2: Mm-hmm. Megan Rapinoe fits right in with the Obamas, by the way. You know, they don't live in any of the places where this people they supposedly speak for. They live in these mansions and these places that you and I could never dream of living kind of like LeBron James, kind of like um Greg Popovich, Steph mm-hmm. Curry, all of them. All of them trash in the country, uh earning millions of dollars, living a life of luxury that most people could never ever imagine. They couldn't do it in any other place in the world. And this is what you get from them. Just ingrates all of them.
4: Yeah. So, you know, keep keep an eye out if the, all of a sudden you start seeing that that commercial stop running. That means they made their point. Another big story. I don't know if you've uh, heard of, uh, you ever hear of this guy, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo? No. Uh, his top aide resigned as impeachment decision nears. As, oh, uh, man. <laughs> as, <laughs> as fallout from the bombshell report continues to grow. New York legislature nearing a decision on impeachment. The scandal play Governor Andrew Cuomo will have a fight on his hands with one of the most trusted without one of his most trusted confidants. Top aide Melissa DeRosa, who's been with Cuomo since 2013, resigned Sunday night, saying the last two years have been mentally and emotionally trying for her as the COVID-19 pandemic and multiple scandals embroiled the governor's mansion. Her departure came days after the report by Attorney General Latita James alleged that DeRosa played a key role in leaking the personnel personnel file of one of Cuomo's female accusers in an effort to discredit her allegations of sexual harassment. It's been one of the greatest honors of my life," she said, "to serve the people of New York the past ten years." Blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, De Rosa was mentioned 187 times in this 160-page investigative report.
2: Yeah, well, we know she was uh, partook in cramming down the under under um, counting the numbers of the COVID deaths that he. Um... Sent people back in, so we know she's she's she her hands are not clean in this whole thing either. So yeah, uh, we'll have a report from NBC that actually did a report today. I'll show you that when we get back. But right now, let's do some sports, and here with that is Rick Cammarotti.
3: What's going on, pal? A B D. Big Well, busy weekend in sports to unwrap. We're going to start with Major League Baseball scores. Just five games in action tonight. Four that are actually live right now. Uh, the Indians all over the Cincinnati Reds, eight-two in the bottom of the fifth. Brewers and Cubs are in a delay. White Sox 1-0 over the Twins in the top of the first, and Yankees and Royals just underway in Kansas City. Marlins are out in San Diego to take on the Padres. 10-10 first pitch. We'll have a recap on those scores in uh, my last segment. And men's PGA final, World Golf Championships, the Jude Invitational, TPC Southwind, Memphis, Tennessee. Abraham Ansa of Mexico wins FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Ansa became the fourth Mexican winner of the, on the PGA Tour following Victor Regaldo, Cesar Sanudo, and Carlos Ortiz, and the seventh player to win a WSG event for his first tour victory. He's projected to jump to 10th in the world ranking. Ansa closed with a 2 under 68 to match Hideki Matsumama... Matsuyama and Sam Burns at 16 under 264. They had strong days, all of them. Matsuyama shot a 63 and Burns had a 64. Matsuyama had a shot that lipped out of the hole, which opened the door for answer to take the title yesterday. So good match down in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, what opened the
2: door was Matsuyama lipped out and then the other kid missed about a three footer. Yeah, that was a bad shot. Oh, it was brutal. Sam, Yes. I mean, it was brutal. I mean, I could have made it. Although I don't know. That's a lot of pressure. It is but it was, uh, it was not a great display of putting. I mean, Matsuyama's lipped out, but at least it was like a 20-footer. This kid's was like a, I
3: mean, a three-footer. Yeah. Matsuyama, they said, might have had some fatigue, too. He's coming off that bronze uh, medal round that he lost, to in the Olympics the week prior. So he's got a lot going on. Great golf. I really like him. Young and upcoming. Uh, and with a decisive 90-75 victory over Japan, the United States women's basketball team has secured its 7th. Seventh consecutive gold medal in the Olympic Games. Brianna Williams and Brian host of ESPN reporting. Team USA jumped out to a 4-0 lead in the first few seconds of the game and never looked back as the squad ob- obtained its 55th straight win. And Team USA men's basketball beat France to win their fourth straight gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. U.S. men's team finished with a gold medal after a 87-82 close game uh, win over France on Saturday. The record books will show it was the fourth consecutive gold for Team USA. So, both of our basketball teams did win, and uh, good to see that as they continue in their success.
2: I was um, at a party on um, Saturday night. and they Martha's had, Vineyard? No, it was not oh. Martha's Vineyard, but it, they had a TV outside underneath the gazebo there, and they had the Olympics on, and I said I hadn't watched one second of the Olympics <laughs> up till then where I couldn't do much about it. It was on in front of me and the girls' basketball. So Team USA is basically the women's basketball. It's basically an all-star UConn team. Yes. That's all it is. Yep. It's an all
3: star UConn team. You have Sue Bird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's.
2: It's all UConn players. Sue Bird, Diana, Tarazzi, Diana Tarazzi. Um The other girl there, Brianna, uh, the yeah. other girl who just graduated a couple years ago. I mean, it's an all star U. The starting five, four of them are from UConn. Yeah,
3: and then Brittany Griner, I believe she played at Tennessee. Yeah, Brittany Griner, she was fantastic. She yeah. was actually the star at that last game. Yeah, but Taurasi, Bird, and. Um... Tarazzi's one of the best players ever.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like an all-star UConn team. Yep. Gino getting, I mean, come on. Can't do better than he does. There's <laughs> so. WNBA team. Yeah, all right. We'll do more sports. Oh, our friend Todd O'Neill sang this song right here on this show. Part-time living. Come on, son.
7: <laughs> traffic, yeah, I'm it. Where well, the hell does the weekend go? Red Bull and coffee, shake the party off me. Burning both ends, going down the road. If Rider was a can, i cannot crush it.
2: live from studio 6b 30 minutes past the hour on a monday just getting the week started glad you're in real america's voice dish network channel 219 pluto tv channel 240 samsung tv plus channel Ten Twenty Nine. of course follow us on all our social media facebook.com slash lfs6b at lfs6b on twitter rumble parlor youtube getter everywhere you can find us we're everywhere Rick Delgado's here. Is going to do the news. Gio holding it down as always. Fran on vacation this week. And uh, Rick is here tonight. He goes on vacation tomorrow. He'll be back next week. Paul will be back on Wednesday. So Everybody's scattered schedules here as we try (laughs) to wrap up the summer, trying to get some time away uh, and refresh for the September and then into 2022, which I have this Rand Paul video. You'll see. I mean, he really, I mean, it's just enough is enough. And what's going on with this infrastructure, Bill? I mean, I don't know. We got to start taking names and receipts, and we, and, and uh, I saw Governor DeSantis today. I mean, if we're not fighting like him, I don't know what we're doing. Threatening to, um, he's threatening now to hold back pay of any of these teachers, um, y- teachers who are threatening uh, mass mandates, and so I mean, he's just not giving up. He just will not give up, and um, I mean, that's absolutely
4: what we need. Yeah, especially when it comes to something like this, because you know people have a lot of uh, a lot of emotional attachment to this this subject. You know about putting masks on their kids, knowing that the science doesn't support it, never has, and you know. But you still get the politicians weighing in, like they know they know best. This is what you're supposed to do. We'll tell you what you're supposed to do, and you will do it. So from Red
2: State today. Unlike most Republicans, Ron DeSantis doesn't seem to have a pendant for uh, backing down, and he's not doing so in the face of multiple school districts seeking to defy his ban on mass mandates for school children. The Florida governor put out the original order some weeks ago. That was a no-brainer in our view, as children are not at serious risk from COVID and also don't represent a serious spread vector. Those contentions were proven true last year as schools opened across the country some without mask mandates with the results speaking for themselves further because teachers have all had the chance to get vaccinated at this point there's no excuse to keep using children as human shields in regards to policy masks specifically the cloth variant that children wear aren't effective overall in general anyways but that's especially true when talking about an age group that can't be expected to wear them properly masks can restrict breathing, cause skin issues, and are just generally unsanitary for kids when they're worn all day long. There are also serious psychological issues to be concerned about. Getting back on track, though, DeSantis, his order was disobeyed by several school districts that said they would impose mass mandates anyways. The Florida Board of Education responded by allowing parents to collect vouchers for their education dollars, removing funding from the schools in question. I, gave you, I told you that for a story on Friday night. DeSantis' latest move today may be the one that makes the most difference. And that is uh, breaking from CBS4 in Miami today. Governor DeSantis' office released a statement to CBS4 that the Florida Board of Education could withhold the salaries of superintendents and school board members who implement mask mandates. This appears to still be in the planning stages, but DeSantis has been working closely with the State Board of Ed. That's where the voucher program came from, given that there's no reason to doubt that this action will be taken in the near future. If it is, it's going to put superintendents and other school board members in a position where they can't just virtue signal for media anymore. Instead, they'll be getting hit in their own wallets, and that tends to get people to back down or at least show their true colors on where they stand. This is why so many people like DeSantis. Whether he can ultimately win this fight or not is an open question, but he's willing to fight regardless. That's a quality not found in many Republicans these days, much, most of which are always looking for the exit ramp in regards to conflict. DeSantis, on the other hand, puts the residents of his state first. He doesn't kowtow to the media pressure. He puts his neck on the line and does what he thinks is right. And that, in a nutshell, is the leadership we need. We'll see where it all goes, uh, where it all goes. School starts this week in most of Florida, so it's crunch time. And parents need to be willing to practice disobedience as well. What do you think of that?
4: Yeah, well, you know what? That's that's like like the article says. That's what we need. That's what we need in a leader. And, and unfortunately, you know what? What we're seeing, it's the, the teachers' unions and not the teachers. Let, let's separate the two because, you know, we've already seen like the big Big uh, pushback last week from all the teachers that that were pushing back on this vaccine mandate that they're not into it. But the officials, the people that lead these unions that try to make this policy, they're trying to now pit the teachers versus the parents and the students. So notice that notice what's not what's not in the best interest of you uh, school. They don't care about school. They don't care about you or your kids. They care about leverage and what they can use. And they don't even care about the teachers. They, the teachers are there. They use the teachers to get what they want. So just, you know, just be, be very aware when, when somebody says, well, I'm with the teachers union, it, it has nothing to do with what's best for you and your child. What's well, interesting
2: to see with, you know, Randy Weingartner, I believe today called for all teachers to, for, to have to be mandated to get the vaccine. And it will be interesting to see um, if the unions now take the same position as the postal unions did and said, no, we don't support that, or if they cave to Randy Weingartner.
4: Well, I heard last week, that's why I mentioned it, that, that they had already heard that there's going to be a lot of pushback from teachers because they don't want to be forced to take a vaccine. A lot of them, you know, maybe the science teachers are spreading the science around that, hey, you know what, maybe this isn't really uh, something we should be putting to, into our bodies.
2: I so. have a, You know, speaking of that, I have a, um, I have a science teacher here somewhere, uh, Dr. Dan Stock. He showed up at a Mount Vernon, Indiana school board meeting to lay down some facts. And I've got a video of him later that I'll show you too. I've got a lot of good stuff to get to tonight. But let's start, let's get back to Cuomo for a second. This was run on NBC today, kind of an encapsulation of what's going on. Cut one, G, roll it.
1: Overnight, Governor Andrew Cuomo's top aide resigning. According to investigators, Melissa DeRosa allegedly helped lead efforts to retaliate against one of the women who accused Cuomo of sexual harassment. DeRosa, who has not been charged with any crime and has denied any wrongdoing, writing in part, personally, the past two years have been emotionally and mentally trying. Meanwhile, the State Judiciary Committee meeting today to discuss the impeachment probe against Cuomo after that explosive attorney general's report alleged he sexually harassed 11 women. Over the weekend, a self-identified accuser speaking out for the first time.
0: What he did to me was a crime. He broke the law.
1: Brittany Camiso is telling her story publicly after she filed a criminal complaint against the governor last
4: week.
0: Then they started to be hugs with kisses on the cheek. And then there was at one point a hug, and then when he went to go kiss me on the cheek, he quickly turned his head and he kissed me on the lips.
1: Known in the AG's report as executive assistant number one, Camisso, seen here with her face blurred, posing for a selfie with Cuomo, also alleges he reached under her blouse and grabbed her breast last November. The Albany County Sheriff says the governor could face misdemeanor charges if they substantiate her criminal complaint.
8: We're going to have our victim back in um, for probably a very lengthy interview. We'll sit down with the district attorney and make a decision to move forward with a criminal charge.
1: Cuomo's attorney says the allegations aren't true.
6: He did not grope her and there was evidence that was provided by several individuals to the attorney general about potential motives for her to have made that claim.
1: Cuomo, who has not been charged with the crime, has denied any wrongdoing, and his legal team cast doubt on the AG's findings. That, that report is shoddy, it is biased, it omits evidence, and it was an ambush, and And they haven't shared all of their evidence. The AG's office writing, to attack this investigation, and attempt to undermine and politicize this process, takes away from the bravery displayed by these women. And the Judiciary Committee has given, her, given the governor that's a idea. Friday deadline. To- that's, the,
2: uh, that's the basic idea. Let me just say this to the governor. You need, um, you need new representation because your attorneys <laughs> are just morons from what wow. I can tell so far. And I'm not an attorney, so maybe, uh, maybe I've got it wrong, but I don't think so. Given what I saw last week and then uh, that clip, which that's the first time I've seen that, oh, my God. He's got to get better representation. Not that I'm, you know. And for the governor here but god his representation is horrible
4: well i mean this is this is uh his hand-picked people right this is they're representing him this is a story he wants to tell so they've got to tell his story that's why they did the whole thing last week with the montage of kisses and stuff like this this is he's leading this don't 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 believe for a moment that he's listening to his attorneys he's got his attorney saying okay and he's, he's running these meetings with his attorneys. This is what you're going to do. Here's how we're going to attack this, and, and go put it out. That's well, it. Because that's, that's, how, that's who he is. According to Andy McCarthy in National
2: Review, he thinks we are nearing checkmate, as he said. Just a matter of how long it will take Cuomo to actually see it. He said uh, the best outcome at this point would be for Andrew Cuomo to resign. He's not wired that way, though, and so far, his lawyers are aggressively contesting the allegations publicly. But I don't see how he can survive with his own staffers who want to have a future in democratic politics, abandoning him as his top aide, Melissa DeRosa, who has her own political legal problems, did last night. The big news over the weekend was that Brittany Camisso, who you just saw there, the previously unidentified state executive chamber staffer, who alleges that Cuomo groped her, filed a formal complaint with the Albany County Sheriff's Office, and then went public. She had been referred to only as executive assistant number one. Um, so Mr. McCarthy basically makes the point. He says, you know, they, Cuomo can try to play this game for a little bit of time, but we had Doug Smith here Friday and, um, this is, uh, who was, who was with him? Jody Giglio. Jody Giglio Giglio was here. And I mean, I, it just sounds to me like this, this game's, this game can't go on much longer. And of course you would think this is how it would play out you get you know you get you get that first aggressive response attack the um, mm-hmm. attack the report attack the accusers attack the the system the way it works it was an ambush you just heard right. her there kill the messenger and slowly they'll realize that the walls like Mr McCarthy says it's almost checkmate time and then then you'll see what's happening um, speaking of New York lawmakers cut 2G Uh, Roll that.
8: We have just completed an executive session of the Judiciary Committee to discuss the committee's ongoing impeachment investigation of Governor Cuomo. As I stated in my opening remarks before we went into executive session, the committee is closely reviewing the findings of the Attorney General's detailed report. At the same time, the Assembly's outside counsel, Davis Polk, is continuing to conduct its own thorough, independent, and expeditious investigation. This investigation by Davis Polk covers the allegations of sexual misconduct and related retaliation documented in the Attorney General's report. It also covers other allegations, including allegations that the governor improperly used state resources to write and produce a book, American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic, and that's quote, unquote, allegations concerning COVID-19.
2: So, you know, him breaking ranks, he's big friends with Cuomo, I think, this guy. And him breaking ranks was was a big deal, so... All right, live from Studio 6B, more news, more sports. Rand Paul coming up. South Carolina governor. South Carolina might be a red
7: state after so all. Slow down, mama. Rain talks on me. Good Lord, man, shit. It ain't what he say. We got nice clothes and midnight shows. Hook down at the bar. Fiddle tunes and homemade booze, but it always goes too far. Shoot him, pull crack
2: of Jack. Our live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219. Pluto TV, Channel 240. Samsung TV Plus, Channel 1029. Happy, ber- happy official birthday to the Zen Master today. It's official Oh, today. is it today? Today I, is the official so, day.
4: So we've been celebrating all weekend.
2: We're celebrating like we where it's back in um, like Obama's time in right. Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> all right, so we're celebrating. He got
4: like. a whole weekend out of it. Yeah, I-, exactly. I wonder if he had John Legend show <laughs> yeah. up at his party as well. Yeah, no,
2: I don't think his party's going to look like this, probably. <laughs> it could, but I don't think, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think he would have a little more, well, I don't know. He might have cooler He may people. not be as hypocritical. Well, oh, he's not at all, not hypocritical, no. as uh, the former president would be. No vaccine mandates to get into that party. No masks. Whooping it up all night. Five hundred people. Three days. Some people say there was a real drug problem. I, I'm, I'm not making this up.
4: <laughs> I read that same. Did story. You see it?
2: Yes. <laughs> From former form, former police officers, who know people in Martha's Vineyard, said there was there was an in stream of.
4: That they were all on. Yeah, and state police uh, letting several people go with... Uh, yes, I saw that know, as well. Uh, DWI possibilities. Yeah,
2: yeah. Chuck Schumer, maybe. <laughs> Pelosi. <laughs> well, I well, can definitely had to, see her drinking too they much.
4: They had to let Jerry Nadler go because they know he was in a rush to the <laughs> toilet. So... <laughs> yeah,
2: so uh, let's do some more news here. Uh, speaking of news, with Rick Delgado, what's going on? All right.
4: Well, you know what? I'm glad that we were talking to G in the break because he reminded me of this clip that I sent you guys about this mom who um, CNN did a big story on her, recently reported and promoted this story of a mom with three young children who was nervous about being evicted amid the federal eviction moratorium. The liberal network even pushed a GoFundMe to help her cover the rent. Uh, CNN reporter Nick Watt caught up with Dasha Kelly last week for a story on a recent uh, moratorium lapse. He referred to the three three children as her little girls and noted they could all up all end up on the street as CNN's on-screen cryon said mom braces for eviction. However, it turns out the woman, whose name is Kelly, is not the mother of the young children, the three young girls that she was seen there reporting with. Uh, update following CNN aired that story about the potential it, uh, eviction. Dasha Kelly clarified to CNN she's not the mom uh, and verified that she takes care of the children at her home some periods of time. Uh, you can see parts of the uh, the interview right here where not only is the mom on, but then she's met up with uh, Damon's new favorite Congresswoman, Cory Bush. Check this out.
6: Last night on the show, uh, in the piece about you and your girls, and she said about you and your children, I quote you, Congresswoman, we're working hard for you, uh, and I know what it's like to be their mommy, um, Kelly. Do you have anything to say to Congresswoman Bush tonight? Yes, absolutely. It's it's an honor to even speak with you. I'm just so fortunate right now. This is beyond me. You don't understand. Like when I when I put that up, I never thought that anybody would anybody would have reached out, especially CNN, and then to hear that a Congressperson reached my story reached you this is just amazing i'm so thankful for that there's people like you out there i'm so thankful for it thank you so much i'm sorry kelly you and your family excuse me no, you and your family deserve representatives that care about you. We the, our country deserves to have representatives that represent. And so this 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 is the least that we can do for you is to step up and make sure that you get to stay in the safety and the comfort of your home while we work on other things to help make sure that your life and the lives of your children are better. This is our work, so you don't even have to thank us. This is our work. This is the least we can do for you.
4: Yeah, CNN is now reporting that Kelly is actually the girlfriend of the girl's father, and they actually live with their mother most of the time. CNN's uh, reported also that more than $170,000 was raised in 24 hours for the quote-unquote mother of three facing eviction, and GoFundMe has told CNN it has put a hold on those funds, and nothing will be withdrawn.
2: CNN was asked for comment. They said... (laughs) No, <laughs> uh, crickets, yes. Okay. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be like CNN to put someone on who, I mean, they had Michael Avenatti on about 400 times. Well, they had him anointed as the ex-president. Yeah.
4: And they had Andrew Cuomo anointed as an ex-president.
2: I saw Brianna, is it, I guess Brianna Keeler or somebody on CNN was going at it. With, they tweet, the CNN hosts tweet stuff that's as big a BS as what they report online. That there's no problems at the border, that that it's Fox News viewers, she tweeted, that are Fox News viewers, that are are leading the unvaccinated spike in numbers. And I'm thinking to myself, well, she hasn't seen the report out of New York City that says, because I don't think there's a whole lot of, um, I mean, there may be some, but the numbers out of New York City are about 40% of the African American community is unvaccinated in New York City. I, I would hasten to doubt that there's a lot of Fox News viewers in New York City. That would be my guess. I could be wrong, but that would be my guess. No. But my point being is I actually think that they, um, they lie so much and so easily <laughs> that they really do believe what they're saying. The Washington Post had a piece today that I tweeted on our social media. The Washington Post, not, not Breitbart, not the Daily Wire, not Conservative Review, the Washington Post. President Biden needs a coherent strategy for the border. And I tweeted, well, coherent and Biden together is just not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So good luck waiting for that, but that's not going to happen. But they, their opening paragraph says, in its apparent desperation to fashion an immigration strategy that will impose order on increasingly out of control migration, the Biden administration has unleashed a torrent of words and goals untethered to specific policies and timetables. To date on immigration officials have effectively reversed and rolled back some of the Trump administration's most pernicious policies, but without any clear roadmap to address the immediate crisis, a decades high surge in illegal border crossings, or the long-term challenge driving migration, dysfunction, disorder, and decay in Central America. Well, we were told the vice president was going was to be in charge of all this. She was going to get to the root of all of it, get to the root of what's going on at the border, and get to the root of all of these causes that were going on in Central America and why people were trying to come to this systemically everything country that people like Barack Obama, LeBron James, and them hate, for the most part. Vice President Harris was tasked by the president with devising an immigration blueprint, has laid out a perfectly sensible long-term strategy to address factors driving illegal migration, buttressed by five pillars or specific problem areas in Central America, requiring Washington's focus. They include the region's anemic economy, pervasive corruption, and weak democratic and judicial structures, attack on human and labor rights, as well as the media, mayhem and extortion by criminal gangs and trafficking networks, and sexual and domestic violence. And um, we've never seen an American president and an administration let what's going on at this border go on. With COVID 19, positive people thousands of them coming in every day being put in all places McAllen, texas is the the epicenter of it right now but god knows where else and how many else are going other places and the administration is well aware of this and they're doing nothing to stop it nothing to stop it
4: well why would they stop this is what they want
2: all right hour two coming up more sports we'll do sports when we get back Live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in.
7: My heart's been burned so I can see the signs. I've had a taste of lots of waste of times. I can already see you going down that road thinking that I'm so nice.
2: from studio 6b hour two nine o'clock on the east coast monday august 9th glad you're in rick delgado's got the news rick Amorati's gonna do sports here in a second geos here as well friends off this week on vacation seeing some live music down in uh i don't know somewhere in pennsylvania so sounds exciting uh rick Amorati's going on vacation tonight off um where are
3: you going minnesota right yeah minnesota minneapolis bring, bring your flap jacket yeah i know i believe me i gotta be looking all around but it's no different than yeah, having your head in the swivel when you go through manhattan really yeah
2: um all right let's do sports but you have an update from uh, doug smith
3: yeah i got a text a group text of myself and several other local community leaders at 8 40 from doug smith a little update on the governor here where he said hey everyone just a quick update sounds like impeachment vote for cuomo will be around labor day if he doesn't resign, the Judiciary Committee is almost done with all the investigations. Lots of pending criminal charges, too. So stay tuned. Uh, and then he went on to say apparently he was trying to negotiate some criminal charges be dropped if he agrees not to run for re-election. But Doug said oh, that's
2: not. Oh, so, <laughs> so this is interesting news here that we might be, I guess. We're breaking. Maybe breaking. Yeah, Wheeling and dealing. So he's trying to wheel and deal his way out of certain criminal charges that he's already aware
3: of. Yes, sir. According to Doug Smith. Oh, okay. And, and what, what did he say? That's not happening? He said, Doug says, that's not happening. So, uh, yeah, this is getting to be uh, really starting to heat up. Uh, he said, uh, I'm already asking that if he resigns, we should have everything that has been found that would have been used in the impeachment trial made public and presented. I can picture driving up to Albany for the vote and the governor resigning. So, Doug's already got his vision set. So, yeah, th- he's doomed. So, well, that's...
2: Like Andy McCarthy said, it's, checkmate, it's uh, checkmate time. So Yeah,
4: but you know what? It's Cuomo. He still has that arrogance. He He's still looking down in Virginia. And at Governor Northam saying, if that guy can survive. Nah, I don't think so. I'm a, but I'm Andrew Cuomo. This is New York, not Virginia. Virginia is <laughs> nothing. This is New York. I'm Cuomo. That's a slippery fish, but I don't think that Tell fish you. is slipping out yeah, of the Yeah, I boat. don't
2: think it's uh, no not, so. not quite the same. They're both uh, reprehensible, but uh, it's not... I don't think it's the same. So no,
4: I'm just saying that's why he's he's fighting as much as he is, because I I truly think he, he I think he believes no 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 I'm gonna beat this. You watch. I'm gonna go twist some arms next couple of weeks. All this will go away. I say he resigns before. Uh, here's my.
2: Let's put. Let's we'll mark the tape here. He resigns before September 10th, which is like the first full week where everybody comes shows come back everything comes right. back for the new season like around september 10th yeah i mm. say he's out
3: i mm. say he's out i think he resigns to a big d he keeps his pension if he does that and you know
2: although doug said by labor day maybe the vote to impeach so it could even be before he that. would be before that
3: right yeah, yeah. within the next two weeks
4: <clears throat> i think yeah i think you know what he's still gonna fight i'm, I'm not right, I'm saying changing, he's th- i'm changing
2: not- my um changing my p- prediction he scratch that mark the new tape <laughs> he's out before. He's out before Labor Day.
4: Well, you got to give a date now, because now I'm going to look for a date.
2: <laughs> he's out before Labor Day. August That's, 30th. Today we
4: August day. 30th. I'm him. i out my, uh...
2: before Labor Day. That gives a date. He's out it's, before Labor Day. Any day before Labor Day, he's out.
4: You can't. You can't have every day. It's like taking the Bucks and the Suns again. We don't get in the to entire an, thing.
2: You got to pick a day. We don't <laughs> get to an impeachment vote. He's out before September 1st. <laughs> All right. Okay, okay Fauci. Okay. Okay. All right, let's do
3: some sports with Rick Emroy. What's going on? Right, good segue. Unleash the beast. This is the Pro Bull Riders a Wrangler Long Live Cowboys Classic, Sacramento, California. Hold on, let me tell you how much I care what Delgado
4: says. Wait.
7: <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh. oh my! You know what? He's he, you know what? He's just going to play with this thing all day now. I tell you, I feel like I'm on an episode with Soupy Sales here. All right, here we go. Bull <laughs> riding, get back. Let's get rid of it, boys.
3: Dalton Castle. Uh, well, he had a two seventy-seven five. Five aggregate score, $27,000 for first place. Chase Daugherty had a, uh, a 266.5 just behind him, 17000 And the world number one, Jose Vitor LeMay came in third with uh, $10,000 for the weekend. You want to know who the top bulls were at the PBR and Unleash the Beast? Pookie Holla with 46.5 Drifter, 45.5. And, All right, a half. Pookie. Good and job. I'm busted. 45 and a half. Sounds like uh, the governor. And anyway, Jose V. Fittor LeMay is number one. Gaichi Pacheco is number two. And Cooper Davis is number three Cooper in Davis. the world. And the number one in bull riding, the number one bull is Whoopah. And Kyle Lawson wins NASCAR Cup Series race at Watkins Glen's. I, Watkins Glen's. <laughs> i's <laughs> regular season title. This is Associated Press. Watkins Glen, Kentucky, uh, New York. New York. 30. Yeah. Upstate Kyle Lawson. New York, yeah. yes. Yeah, Kyle Lawson won uh, NASCAR Cup Series race. Uh, building a big lead in the final stage and keeping Hendrick's sports teammate Chase Elliott at bay over the final laps. Elliott was seeking his third victory at the Glen, but was relegated to the back of the field before the race when his number nine Chevrolet failed inspection twice. He made a gallant charge in the final segment, but couldn't overcome Lawson's big lead and crossed the finish line two and a half seconds behind. Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, and Denny Hamlin rounded out the top five. So, hey, Kudos to Kyle Lawson. And U.S. edges China for most goals at Tokyo Olympics. I know Big D couldn't wait to hear this one. Um, This is from Tom Hamilton, senior writer at ESPN. The U.S. Olympic team finished atop the gold medal standings at the Tokyo Olympics with 39 as the Americans edge past China. On the final day of action, Team USA's 39 goals surpasses the totals it's managed at five of the previous eight summer games and marks the 11th most goals it has won in the Summer Olympics. The USA also topped the standings at Tokyo 2020 for the most overall medals, 113, uh, which is the most that they've won since 1984 in Los Angeles. So, USA didn't do too bad at the Olympics this year. And last but not least, Arizona Cardinals become first NFL team to announce plans for retail sportsbook at the stadium. David Perdum, ESPN staff writer. Plans to build a retail sportsbook at an NFL venue are in the works. Sportsbook operator BetMGM announced a partnership today with the Arizona Cardinals and Gila River Hotels and Casino that will give the company access to the state's online sports betting market, which is scheduled to launch by the start of the 2021 NFL season. The partnership includes building a retail sportsbook at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, home of the Cards. The Cards are the first NFL team to announce plans to add a retail sportsbook, which is slated to open before the 2022 22 season to this stadium, according to a release about the new partnership. So, you're gonna have some live action, Big D, right, right at the concession. You yeah. get your hot dog, <laughs> you get your ticket, get your game on.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I'm obviously um, a big proponent of sports betting. I've been in the in the industry since the early 2000s, and it's it's it'll be very interesting to me how first of all how far the industry's come, and it will be in all 50 states, and it will be legal in all 50 states soon enough, and it'll be in every arena soon enough. It will be interesting to see, though, if they will allow people to bet on the game that's going on in the, um, in the arena. Because there's a lot of places now where, like if you go to Jersey, into one of the casinos, you can't bet on New Jersey sports live that are happening because they're worried about somebody getting to one of the players, throwing the game. Um, so in-state betting of their own teams has always been a no-no. So it'll be interesting to see if that holds up. Or if they change that, and you can actually walk in to see the Cardinals game and actually bet that game, and then go to your seat,
3: it would only make sense. I mean, you know, why, well, why would other would be the buzz? I mean, you want to have that. Of course, I know legislation, but it's i mean been one on.
2: of the big worries uh, of sports betting that you know you'd have, you know, somebody get into one of the players, some, some one of these um, organized crime families, put a couple million dollars on a game, and goes to a guy who says, you know, goes to the kicker who's making minimum wage and says, hey, uh, you missed that last, you know. Yeah. So that's what they've been worried about. So it's just, it'll be interesting to see.
4: Yeah, it's, wow. not, it's not like they can't do that from another state. Of course not. Yeah. Of course they can.
2: Well, I'm just, what are you I'm talking just, about? I'm just telling you what, I'm just telling you the way it's always been. You can't bet Rutgers basketball in a New Jersey casino. You
4: just right. can't. No, I understand what you're saying, but it's not, but these, you can't bet, I, I feel um, like that, that's an archaic way of thinking about things. Maybe 25 years ago, that was the way, okay, we didn't have these, you know, where you could just uh, text the person, okay, I just put down hundred grand. Uh, if you want your cut, miss that kick. You know well, what I
2: mean? Well, you can't get, meet the guy in the parking lot either though. Right. If
4: you're
2: there. You
4: could be in California going, hey, uh, Jersey uh, Joe, uh, you could better miss this kick. And I'm going to be in California. I'm still going to bet on the game.
2: My point being, without your diatribe on it, uh, is uh, we'll see how we'll see if it holds up.
3: The old rule, if they change it. So, all right, uh,
2: nine minutes past the hour.
3: Any more sports, Rick? Uh, Big D, I can give you one more if you'd like. I can do a little bit of rodeo here. We got uh, the Dodge City Roundup Rodeo. Uh, It's in Dodge City, Kansas. We want to forget about that beautiful place. All around cowboy was Peyton Bray. He won seven grand. Tie down roping and team roping. Bareback. These are all finals. Cole Franks with 93 points on Frontier Rodeo's Gunfire. Love that name. Saddle Bronc. Ben Anderson, 87 and a half on Yellowstone. Bull Riding, Dustin Bouquet, 91 and a half points on Gladiator's Hammer. That's another great name. Steer <laughs> Wrestling, Tucker Allen, 3.9 seconds. Good score. Team Roping, Caleb Driggers and Junior Noguera, 5.8 seconds. Tie-down roping, Marcus Costa... seconds. bow Racing, the ladies. Jordan Briggs, 17.15 seconds. Not a bad score. Not the best, but not bad. Steer Roping, (laughs) J. Tom Fisher, 10.3 seconds. Again, so-so score. And that's a wrap on the rodeo and the bull riding. We love that. And we'll give a little bit more later on... uh, some of the games.
2: All right, very good. Let's do some news here with um, Rick Delgado. What else is going on?
4: All right. Well, over in Georgia, uh, we haven't touched on any election stuff in a little bit. Let's get a little update coming out of Georgia because ballots rejected by machines were later altered by election workers to count, according to this report added just the news a day after the November election, as Donald Trump and other Republican candidates clung to evaporating leads in Georgia. Vote counters in Atlanta were confronted by a paper ballot known only by its anonymizing number 51523218. 23218 A Dominion voting machine had rejected the ballot on election night because a voter filled in boxes for both Trump and his opponent, Joe Biden, in an error known as Overvote. The machine determined neither candidate should get a tally, and the ballot was, was referred for human review. The image of the ballot obtained by Just the News shows that the voter messily scribbled a large blob in the box to select Trump. As president, while putting a thinner check mark next to Biden's name at 610 p.m. Eastern time, November 4th, 24 hours after the ballot was first scanned and rejected, a panel of humans decided the vote should be awarded to Biden with the notation mark removed for Donald J. Trump. You can see that ballot here at the Justin News website if you go to that story. Scores of additional ballots that same day had checks manually removed next to Trump's name as well as many other candidates up and down the tickets. Libertarians, Democrats, and write ins alike, and all votes awarded instead to the other candidate. Welcome to the arcane process as known as adjudication, where human judgment is substituted for machine scanning in cases where voters incorrectly filled out a paper ballot. Election officials and observers have dealt with it for years with everyday citizens mostly oblivious to the process. So the
2: question is, does the story cover how many... Ballots that they think disaffected.
4: In all, more than 5,000 of the 148,000 absentee ballots cast in Georgia's largest county required some form of human intervention, according to logs obtained by Just the News.
2: And Georgia, I believe, was under 12,000 votes that yes. um, separated the two. Well, that's an yep. interesting development. That, mixed with everything else, is not going to give people... Um, any sense of closure. It's making things worse. Yeah, you don't, get, ha-
4: you don't get that warm and fuzzy feeling no. that, you know, your, your vote was cast and counted correctly.
2: And Real America's Voice is out this week, I believe starting tomorrow. Tomorrow, yep. At Mike Lindell's Symposium in South Dakota. Yeah, David Zier will be there. Okay. David Zier is there. Mm-hmm. Steve Bannon's there. Raheem Kassam is there. Real America's Voice is there. And um, John Fredericks is there. They just
4: announced the son of the president of Brazil is going to be speaking as well.
2: And as John Fredericks said, I didn't get to hear Mr. Bennon this morning, but I did hear a little bit of John Fredericks, and he said, and I think this is the right tack to take, because, of course, Lindell's, you know, some people are saying he's out of his mind. Uh, Fredericks said, out of Let's see if he's got the receipts.
7: i 13 past the hour. We're back right after he this. Said, it's like I'm wasted. Every time I see your face, I'm losing track of time and space. I don't know where I am. It's like I'm wasted, and I won't waste it. And I promise that I, I will stand by you forever.
2: <laughs> I live from Studio 6B, 17 past the hour on a Monday night. Glad you're in. So, uh, obviously, we've been spending a lot of time on... Uh, COVID-19 and then just the constant moving of the goalpost. CDC director basically saying this is now a therapeutic to keep you from dying and keep you from serious cases, which is fine. If that's what it is. That's what it is. But let's then that's what it is. And let's act accordingly because there's a lot of things in life that that we have that we can guard against that are like that. The flu and other things and we don't mandate and we don't segregate out people in uh, society and tell them some can participate and some can't so if that's what it is that's what it is that's what she says it is but just the overall craziness that's going on and we talked about friday i said with doug smith and jody giglio that it just seems there's too many people that are just willing to say well if i just you know, if I give in here and I give away a little bit of freedom or a little bit of our liberty here, it'll be for the greater good. We'll get it back, you know, after, after everybody gives in a little bit. Well, no, that's, that's not going to happen. That's not ever going to happen. That's never going to happen. And I'm shocked by how many people, and I actually posted a Rasmussen poll today. that I don't have, oh, well, let me just pull it up instead of guessing, but it was 44% of adult people, where is it? Um, and I just said 44%. I said, we're, just, we're doomed, I just, it's just amazing. Um, 44% of American adults believe people should be required to show proof that they have been vaccinated against COVID-19 before going to indoor public places. 47% against, 44%. That takes into no consideration of people who recovered naturally. It takes no consideration of the fact that the CDC has now said it's basically a prophylactic.
4: I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. It's even bigger than that because it takes into no account of, wait, uh, so you're saying I need to show you proof that I have a chemical in my body just to walk in the door? Um, I thought we didn't do that kind of stuff here. I thought we left that to the Nazis in Germany back in the 40s. I thought that's where that stuff kind of ended. You know, didn't we fight a war uh, against these
2: types of people? Speaking of that, did you see Candace Owens' post today from the CDC website that she found? No. That the CDC actually, at some point during this whole thing, well, again, let me, let me pull it up, uh, that the CDC at some point actually put together a document to discuss putting high-risk people into camps to shield low-risk people from them. She says, no, this is not a joke. And yes, every single person who has made a reference to 1930s Germany is now vindicated. And if you click on this, it takes you to cdc.gov, the CDC's website. And the title of this paper is Interim Operational Considerations for Implementing the Shielding Approach to Prevent COVID-19 Infections in Humanitarian Settings. Update July 26, 2020, this is from. The shielding approach aims to reduce the number of severe COVID-19 cases by limiting contact between individuals at higher risk of developing severe disease, high risk, and and the general population, low risk. This is on the CDC website.
4: Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure it probably talks about how FEMA camps would be set up and how they'd be in charge and, you know, they'd be uh, large swaths in, in probably rural, rural areas they'd want to set this up where it's easier to contain everybody. So the point being, at some point, where is everybody's line
2: here? As we head back to school, we see now that the uh, Weingartner and them come out and say all teachers are going to be forced to be vaccinated. Where is the line in the sand for most people? And that was basically Rand Paul's, um, I don't know if it's a plea. I don't know if it's, a, maybe it's more of a call to action. Pay attention to how he starts this. Very interesting first line, first very first sentence. Um, here's Rand Paul, roll it, G. It's
5: time for us to resist. They can't arrest all of us. They can't keep all of your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed, although I've got a long list of ones they might keep closed or might ought to keep closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. Nancy Pelosi, you will not arrest or stop me or anyone on my staff from doing our jobs. We have either had COVID, had the vaccine, or been offered the vaccine. We will make our own health choices. We will not show you a passport. We will not wear a mask. We will not be forced into random screenings and testings so you can continue your drunk with power reign over the Capitol. President Biden, we will not accept your agency's mandates or your reported moves towards a lockdown. No one should follow the CDC's anti-science mask mandates. And If you want to shut down federal agencies again, some of which aren't even back to work yet, I will stop every bill coming through the Senate with an amendment to cut their funding if they don't come back to work in person. Local bureaucrats and union bosses, we will not allow you to do more harm to our children again this year. Children are not at any more risk from COVID than they are from the seasonal flu. Every adult who works in schools has either had the vaccine or had their chance to get vaccinated. There is no reason for mask mandates, part-time schools, or any lockdown measures. Children are falling behind in school and are being harmed physically and psychologically by the tactics that you have used to keep them from the classroom during the last year. We won't allow it again. If a school system attempts to keep children from full-time in-person school, I will hold up every bill with two amendments, one to defund them and another to allow parents the choice of where the money goes for their child's education. Do I sound fed up to you? That's because I am. I'm not a career politician. I practiced medicine for 33 years. I graduated from Duke Medical School. I've worked in emergency rooms. I've studied immunology and virology. And I ultimately chose to become an eye surgeon. I've been telling everyone for a year now that Dr. Fauci and other public health bureaucrats were not following the science, and I've been proven right time and time again. But I'm not the only one who's fed up. I can't go anywhere these days without people coming up and thanking me for standing up for them. Whether I'm at work or at events in Kentucky, at airports, in restaurants, or in stores, People thank me for taking a stand. They thank me for standing up for actual science, for standing up for freedom, for standing against mandates, lockdowns, and bureaucratic power grabs. I think the tide is turning as more and more people are willing to stand up. I see stories from across the country of parents standing up to the unions and school boards. I see brave moms standing up and saying, my kids need to go back to school in person. I see members of Congress refusing to comply with petty tyrant Pelosi. We are at a moment of truth and a crossroads. Will we allow these people to use fear and propaganda to do further harm to our society, economy, and children? Or will we stand together and say, absolutely not. Not this time. I choose freedom. Wow. Pretty All strong
4: right. pretty strong stuff from Rand Paul. Yeah. and and, you know it makes a great point they can't arrest all of us
2: boy that's an interesting opening (laughs) line huh
4: what a way to get
2: into that (laughs) they can't arrest all of us no and i mean that's really what what it's coming down to here and it's going to be very interesting to see as we get to september in these schools what they try to pull and then what who's willing to take it and who's not and I'm not, I'm not totally clear. And, and by the way, I'm not totally clear from my own personal um, situation, which I'm going to be monitoring very closely in my own hometown.
4: Yep, same here. We just got the notice today about. And if there's uh, any
2: nonsense, uh, I'm just not going to be quiet. I'm yeah. going to use this platform and any other platform I can. Uh, and it's, it's it's if it has to get ugly, it's going to get ugly. Yeah. Same here. But it's just it's just just not going to happen. Live from Studio 6B, 26 past the hour. Another doctor to a local school board. I'll play that when we get back. You
7: feel low and good things are hard to see. When you pray to find love, I know somewhere we could be. There's a place. All
2: right, live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Monday night, getting the week started. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado's going to do some more news. Rick Camerati will have more sports. I just played your Rand Paul's really just great call to action. And then of course that's juxtaposed against the Rasmussen poll that 44 says 44% of American adults think that people should have to prove before they go and participate in society that they've taken the vaccine. So I I mean, I don't, we'll see which one wins out, I guess if the poll's accurate or if, um, you know, where they took this poll and how many people were there for the donuts and coffee and how many were there (laughs) to be truthful. I don't know, but, uh, we'll see but so here's just another example of people standing up and uh especially when it comes to their kids in schools i think people really i would hope have had enough and have at least done enough of their own research and looked at the data to know that these kids are at such little risk um this is dr dan stock practicing medical doctor. and He went to the Mount Vernon, Indiana School Board
9: meeting. And here's what he said, roll it, G. Dr. Dan Stock, uh, 5777 West Seminole, North McCordsville, Indiana. Um, To to address your comment, it's hard to believe we're 18 months into this and still having a problem. And I would suggest the reason we still have a problem is because we're doing things that are not useful. And we're getting our sources of information from the Indiana State Board of Health and the CDC who actually don't bother to read science before they do this. Um, I'm actually a functional family medicine physician. That means I am specially trained in immunology and inflammation regulation. And everything being recommended by the CDC and the State Board of Health is actually contrary to all the rules of science. So things you should know about coronavirus and all other respiratory viruses, they are spread by aerosol particles, which are small enough to go through every mask. By the way, the literature that supports all of that is in a flash drive that we presented to you. It's been given to the secretary. As a matter of fact, it quotes at least three studies (laughs) sponsored by the NIH to that exact fact, even though the CDC and the NIH have chosen to to ignore the very science that they paid to have done. Um, That is why you keep struggling with this, is because you cannot make these viruses go away. The natural history of all respiratory viruses is that they circulate all year long, waiting for the immune system to get sick through the winter or become deranged, as has happened recently with these vaccines, and then they cause symptomatic disease because they cannot be filtered out and they have animal reservoirs. And this is a very important point. No one can make this virus go away. The CDC has managed to convince everybody that we can handle this like we did smallpox, where we could make a virus go away. Smallpox had no animal reservoirs. The only thing it learned to infect was humans. That's why we were able to make that virus go away. That will not happen with this any more than it will with influenza the common cold respiratory syncytial virus, adenoviral respiratory syndromes or anything else that has animal reservoirs. So the reason you can't do this is because you're trying to do something which has already been tried and can't be done. Equally important is that vaccination changes none of this, especially with this vaccine. And I would hope this board would start asking itself before it considers taking the advice of the CDC, the NIH, and the State Board of Health, why we are doing things about this that we didn't do for the common cold, influenza, or respiratory syncytial virus. And then ask yourself, Why is a vaccine that is supposedly so effective having a breakout in the middle of the summer when respiratory viral syndromes don't do that? And to help you understand that, you need to know the condition that is called antibody mediated viral enhancement. That is a condition done when vaccines work wrong as they did in every coronavirus study done in animals on coronaviruses after the SARS uh, outbreak and done in respiratory syncytial virus where a vaccine used in a vulnerable individual done the wrong way, which why it cannot be done right for a respiratory virus, which has a very low pathogenicity rate, causes the immune system to actually fight the virus wrong and let the virus become worse than it would with native infection. And that is why you are seeing an outbreak right now. And in fact, in that flash drive, you're gonna have coming to you and in the emails with six extra will be a study showing that 75% of people who had COVID-19 positive symptom cases in Barnstable, Massachusetts outbreak were fully vaccinated. Therefore, there is no reason for treating any person vaccinated any differently than any person unvaccinated. You should also know that no vaccine, even the ones I support and would give to myself and my children, ever stops infection. In 2014, there was an outbreak of mumps in the National Hockey League. The only people who came down the symptoms were the people who were unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status. Boy, that sounds like a great argument for vaccines. But a question that you should ask yourself Knowing that half of the people who came down with symptomatic disease had no contact with an unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status individual, where did they get the disease? And the answer was from the vaccinated individuals. No vaccine prevents you from getting infection. You get infected, you shed pathogen. This is especially true of viral respiratory pathogens. You just don't get symptomatic from it. So you cannot stop spread. You cannot make these numbers that you've planned on get better by doing any of the things you're doing, because that is the nature of viral respiratory pathogens. And you can't prevent it with a vaccine, because they don't do the very thing you're wanting them to do. And you will be chasing this the remainder of your life until you recognize that the Center for Disease Control and the Indiana State Board of Health are giving you very bad scientific guidance and instead read the articles that are going to come in the email and are on this flash drive and listen to the people in this audience here tonight who actually have recognized the advice they are getting from the CDC and the NIH is counterfactual. And that's why you're still fighting this with this vaccine that supposedly was going to make all of this go away, but it suddenly managed to make an outbreak of COVID nineteen develop in the middle of the summer when vitamin D levels are at their highest. By the way, the other thing that would be necessary, any vaccine restriction to be considered is if there were no other treatment available. And I can tell you, having treated over fifteen COVID nineteen patients, that between active loading with vitamin D, ivermectin, and zinc, that there is not a single person who has come anywhere near the hospital. And we already have studies that show that if you achieve a 25-hydroxyvitamin D level greater than 55, your risk of COVID-19 death will drop down to one quarter of the population average for the United States and there are active treatment trials included on that flash drive that show the same is true. So if you were gonna discriminate based upon vaccine, you should also discriminate based upon 25-hydroxy vitamin D level, zinc taste test response, and probably previous infections, since there are also studies on that flash drive that show that people who have recovered from COVID-19 infection actually get no benefit from vaccination at all, no reduction in symptoms, no reduction in hospitalization, and suffer two to four times the rate of side effects if they are subsequently vaccinated. Therefore, the policies that you are basing on are totally counterfactual. I don't blame this board for that, because I know you aren't scientists and you have thought it was reasonable to listen to the CDC, NIH, and the Indiana State Board of Health but I would encourage that instead you listen to the people out here in this audience and read what's on that data drive. And if anybody here in this board has any questions about anything on that, I will happily come back and sit with you individually if you would like to explain the science behind this. And if you're worried about being sued by somebody because you don't follow the guidance of the CDC and the NIH, I will tell you have a free pro bono expert testimony at your disposal. I will testify in defense of this board, turning down all these recommendations for free at any time in any court. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so there you go.
2: There you go. The good doctor there. And um, what, is he, what is he bringing up? He's bringing up exactly what we've talked about with, and it's not us who brought it up. I just brought it to your attention from reading people like Daniel Horowitz, Phil Kirpin, and Dr. Um, Vanden Bache Bos- or Bosch if it's pronounced, who said... And I'll I'll return to this tweet from August 2nd. He said, it's good to see that other scientists are now increasingly repeating my warning against viral immune escape. Although I've been alerting about this to global health authorities for about six months now. Mass vaccination has continued to an extent that viral resistance has now become unavoidable. I am not sure one can reasonably speculate on how viral infectiousness and viral viral, virulence will evolve before we see the consequences of viral resistance to the vaccines. There is no precedent indeed for the effect of fighting a pandemic with um, vaccinal antibodies that the virus is resistant to. Scientifically speaking, it remains difficult to understand how resistance could be accompanied by increased viral infectiousness, as I've tried to explain in my most recent Q&A posting. Whether SARS-CoV-2 will persist and evolve into, and uh, will ultimately depend on how viral infectiousness pressures will eventually compare to the density and immune status of the population. So this is one doctor who was warning against this exact thing, and, and you listen to that doctor. And that's what he's describing.
4: Yeah, and he's a practicing physician. As he, he's willing to put himself on the line saying, you know what? I'll even testify for you if you're going to get sued over this. This is how confident he is in the science that he sees before him. Not in his opinion. Not in his, you know, hey, uh, wh- what do we want out of this? No, out of, out of the science, something that he's seen all his life as a doctor and what he deals with.
2: And coming out of Oklahoma today, about five hours ago, I posted this on our social media, Oklahoma reports 24% of those hospitalized are fully vaccinated. Fascinating COVID data is now coming out of Oklahoma. As former New York Times reporter Alex Bernson has noted, Oklahoma is one of the few states that reports COVID data in almost roughly real time. Currently, Oklahoma is reporting about 40% of their residents are fully vaccinated. The Sooner State's latest weekly report ending August 1st shows 24% of those hospitalized with COVID are fully vaccinated. Moreover, the number of breakthrough cases has dramatically increased uh, from seven reported cases in February to 1,565 breakthrough cases reported in July. Wow. Currently, Oklahoma is reporting 2,514 total breakthrough cases last and perhaps most interesting of those 65 years of age and older the state reports 149 unvaccinated people were hospitalized compared to 153 people who were fully vaccinated so you have more fully vaccinated people 153 than unvaccinated 149 65 years of age or older
4: Yeah, and this coming from just the news that the inventor of the basic technology used to develop COVID-19 vaccines is warning that the Biden administration's aggressive Universal vaccination policy is, quote, unquote, bad science and may very well cause more harm than good.
2: And I believe that's Dr. Robert Malone. Yeah.
4: Yep. He's an immunologist, and epidemiologist who identifies himself as the inventor of the core mRNA technology used by Pfizer and Moderna and said that the Biden administration strategy to universally vaccinate in the middle of a pandemic is bad science and in need of a reboot. Dr Malone also tweeted today by the way cuz he had covid
2: and he had very he had lingering effects from it not recovered naturally treated himself and he tweeted this today I have completed a 3 day course of ivermectin Well first of all he tweeted this on August 5th Got my ivermectin from Walmart today going to see if it can help me with my long covid symptoms um and he and he showed a A picture of the box. He said it cost $78 for 20 tabs, my insurance covered. So I only had the $20 copay. He says, I've now completed a three day course of ivermectin. I woke up today without coughing for the first time in months. Had good exercise tolerance when I was walking in my morning exercise around Carmel and Point Lobos. Based on that experience, I have to conclude good initial clinical response. And, um, You continue to hear more and more about ivermectin and um, the benefits of treating COVID before it gets serious upon first symptoms with it, with zinc, with vitamin D. More and more. All right, we'll do some more sports news, wrap it up for a Monday night live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. 6B 13 till the hour on a Monday night. Glad you're in. Real America's Voice. Dish Network channel 219. Pluto TV channel 240. Happy birthday to the Zen Master one more time. birthday. Hope he had a good day. I texted him this morning. But he hopefully had a great day, and I'm sure he did. So um, Real America's Voice, don't forget we'll be out. Uh, Mike Lindell Symposium on the election. He says he's got um he says he's got stuff. He says he's as as John Frederick says he says he has receipts. Now let's see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And by the way, if you want to support Mike Lindell and support the show here, go to My Pillow and you can order any, all the great stuff they have, pillows, sheets, uh, towels. The towels are underrated, by the way. Not enough people pay attention to the towels, man. They're big, big guys like me. I love a big, warm towel. The towels are fantastic. Use our code LFS6P. It's up to 66% off, which, again, I don't understand that business model. Uh, but they make it work somehow, and it, then you get the savings. So,
4: I think uh, you use sheets, though, right, when you come out of the shower? You just throw a sheet.
2: I don't have my, <laughs> my sound effects I call, I call here, a pillow
4: fight. I don't have my sound effects. Oh, one, one more time, Rick. What was that? You were... <laughs> I said something. You come out of the shower, you use a sheet, right? Okay. <laughs> that's a career killer. It's a funny one, Rick. You're fired. All right.
2: Let's do uh, sports. And here with that's Rick Emerati. What's going All on, All right. Bell? A
3: little clarification on the betting. Big day, loud and proud. One of my Twitter followers said, you might want to let Damon know that you can bet on Raiders and UNLV games in Vegas. So I said, clarify. And they said, Good. yes, you can bet first half and then parlay the rest of the game.
2: Well, parlay's it for suckers, but I mean, I mean, you could take a shot 2.6 yeah. to 1 on a two-teamer, 6 to 1 on a three-teamer, 10 to 1 on a four-teamer. Yes, I know them by heart. Yep. Um, well, that's, I'm telling you, didn't you always used to be that way? Now, you could not usually bet UNLV in Vegas, and you cannot bet Rutgers or anything else that goes on in New Jersey in Jersey, but I guess maybe I missed the change in the law. Well, what's yep. good. there's no stopping it it's going to be legal all 50 states it's going to be you see these sports teams partnering up with all these places i mean there's just no way around it so and and, uh, there's and that's the way it should be people should be able to do as long as they're responsible yep you know people should be able to do what they want to do with their hard and money if they don't want to go out and spend a big dinner and movies and all stuff stuff they'd rather play a game and go play a game absolutely just be responsible because if you've got an addictive personality it's not not good not good,
3: so get help. And Twitter followers are on their toes. Bdub157 said, Gila, not Gila, Casino and Resort in Arizona. I guess you leave the G off for gambling. Okay. So it's Gila Resorts. All right, very good. She what else is us. going on in sports? Okay, well, MLB, one one final in the books. Indians 9-3 over the Reds. The Reds took a beating in Cleveland. The who? Uh, Cincinnati Reds. No, no, who who beat them? Oh, the Guardians, the Cleveland oh. Guardians. Yes, yes, yes. okay. Yeah, <laughs> are they, they going by that name already? I don't know. They got a trademark fight coming up, Rick. I yeah, don't know. Exactly. Um, Still delayed, Brewers and Cubs hasn't gotten underway. White Sox 8 nothing over the Twins' bottom five. Also bottom five, Yankees and Royals zip, zip. And again, Marlins at the Padres 10-10 Eastern Time. And Cyril Gain dominates Derek Lewis by third round TKO to win the UFC interim heavyweight title. This is from Mark Ramonde, ESPN staff writer. Houston, Texas on Saturday night, Gain won UFC gold, stopping Derek Lewis via TKO at four minutes, 11 seconds of the third round to win the UFC interim heavyweight title. Gain will uh, likely fight champion Francis Nagano next to unify the title. Gain and Nagano are former training partners at yes. MMA Factory in Paris.
2: This guy, Cyril, whatever, go, Gain, uh, whatever his Gain name Gain is. Gone, yeah. Is a, um, is a monster. I had not seen him before. And a fight between him and Francis Nagano is going to be absolute fire. And it will not last more than a round. I, I doubt there's any way that fight can go more than the first round. Bombs. Oh, my Lord. Bombs. And as someone said to Dana White, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Yep. Former training partners, now
3: some bad blood, and two just behemoths of men. Yeah, uh, his plus 82 significant strike differential was the most ever in a UFC heavyweight title fight, and he's the first French-born fighter to ever win a UFC title. Gone is 10-0, and 0, is one of the most promising up-and-coming fighters in all of the UFC. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a blockbuster
2: fight. He looked today. good. He did. Whoa, did he look good.
3: And uh, last but not least, big weekend Hall of Fame, Canton, Ohio. I remember going out there about ooh, 11 years ago to see Emmett Smith. What an event. If you ever have a chance and your guy is going in, you definitely want to make that trip up to Canton. Worth its weight in gold absolutely the greatest sports ceremony there is and Peyton Manning was jab Tom Brady and Ray Lewis during his Hall of Fame speech Peyton Manning's personality was on full display during his pro football Hall of Fame acceptance this is from Daniel Ganova of Fox News uh Manning's speech was easily the most anticipated one of the evening and the former Indianapolis Colts and Denver Broncos quarterback didn't disappoint one bit Manning the only five-time NFL MVP and two-time Super Bowl winner whose game was built on preparation was reportedly making last-minute edits to his speech while Dallas Cowboys legend Drew Pearson was on stage delivering his his, his in the Canton, Ohio crowd. Uh, two of Manning's biggest rivals in the AFC over his story career were Baltimore Ravens legendary linebacker Ray Lewis and future Hall of Fame quarterback Tom Brady. So Manning decided to kick off his speech by taking playful jabs at two of his greatest opponents. The 2021 induction class wants to thank those previous inductees who gave long-winded winded expectant speeches, said Manning, who was represented by his father Archie, forcing us to have whopping six minute speeches. They were limited to six minute speeches. Yeah. He said, I want to give special thanks to my old rival, Ray Lewis, for being here tonight. Ray just finished giving his speech that he started in 2018.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Ray Lewis funny. went for about 45 <laughs> minutes, if you remember.
3: And he said, Tom Brady, by the time he's inducted to the Hall of Fame, Manning said before Brady received a handful of booze, Manning, Manning finished the joke and said uh, in his first year of eligibility in 2035, he'll only have time to post his acceptance speech to his Instagram account, Manning concluded. Yeah. So that and was The, pretty the joke
2: there being, of course, that Brady's going to play you know in five years in between the time you retire until you're eligible. Yeah. So he's saying he's gonna be eligible in twenty thirty five means exactly. he Brady plays until <laughs> twenty thirty. So yeah. that's the joke there. Was, yeah, Payton was try- funny. It was good. I saw it. It was great. And Brady course, was funny, too, by the way. He was sitting in, the, sitting in the crowd with a bunch of buddies, and they started to boom. He got up and half turned around. It was like, what's up with that?
7: Yeah, yeah. What did <laughs> I do wrong?
3: <laughs> it's great. And, of course, Steel the greats Bill Cower, Troy Palamore, and uh, Tony, uh, Tony Fanica were also inducted, along with, of course, Jimmy Johnson and long overdue Cliff Harris and Drew Pearson. Just a great star-studded, 28 guys enshrined in Canton, Ohio. You ever get a chance too to get many. out there? Too cool. many. Too many. Well, it was a special 100 anniversary, on. Big D. It
2: okay. was the yeah, plus they had to do from last year, year, right? Okay, yeah, correct, Rick. All right, fine. So, that's, that's a good job.
3: All right, anything else in sports? That's a wrap, Big D. All
2: right, anything else in news? Rick uh, just
4: a real quickie, if you're wondering what kind of uh, uh, person Andrew Cuomo is, two more women have contacted the AG's office. This is just breaking over more allegations against Governor Cuomo and one of his accusers. Uh, earlier today said he once refused to hire a woman because she wasn't pretty enough and thought that the then Bill Clinton sex scandal involving intern Monica Lewinsky he thought that was funny uh, Karen Hinton who worked for Cuomo as a press aide said uh, when he was when she was uh, when he was Clinton's housing secretary told the post that during the time he conducted the job interview with the woman who had worked on Capitol Hill for years knew she had very good understanding of Capitol Hill politics and policy and she came in for the interview and sat there and And then he recommended He said, no, I don't think so. When asked why, he said, she's not pretty enough. I don't like the way she looks. So just a little bit more for you to endear yourself to Governor Cuomo.
2: Cut eight, G. Um, South Carolina might be a red state after all. Here is the the Governor McMaster who's been questionable uh, on schools today. Roll that.
5: But shutting our state down, closing schools, and masking children who have no choice... For the government to mask children, to protect adults who do have a choice is the wrong thing to do, and we're not going to do it. We're not going to shut our state down as other states did. Mandating masks is not the answer. Personal responsibility is the answer. Common sense is the answer. And we have an abundance of both in South Carolina.
4: Yeah. Oh, good. What do you think of that? I like it. You know, he's he's lining up where he probably should and and saying, you know what? This makes no sense. Why are we going to cover up the kids? They don't get sick. And and like uh, Governor DeSantis said on Friday, if you're going to try and mask these kids, I'm going to stand in your way. So hopefully he's going to line up on that side of the field. And Governor DeSantis
2: continues to with what we told you today. He's going to try to hit him in the pocket. He's going to do whatever he has to do. Yeah. Uh, which is absolutely good to see. So, all right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. I just tell you that Thanks, she. Thanks, guys, on the show. We'll see you tomorrow night, live from Studio 6B, right here on Real America's Voice.
7: All of my friends, say, Girl, you better take care. Cause that man is trouble. Or you best beware it down, I know I might be headed for teardrops Now that you got me started, I just can't stop No, no, no